Okay, well, it's hard to uh, just go through Christmas and then close the book for another year without tying it all together. And I love when it falls this way and this close that we can do it. So today, I want to just end our time of our Advent by talking about the fulfilled Advent. And uh, Sunday, um, today is the last day, but last week on Christmas Eve, we went through the four weeks and lit the, the, the Christ candle. But today, we're going to just light the Christ candle. I want His light to be the light and only light that shines. But before we do that, there's a, a, a closing video that I want us to, to watch as we've kind of tied it together these last several weeks before I light the, the candle. So if they'll begin with the video. After the struggles and after the visits of angels, that night, God sent His Son into the world to be the light. His light is made to shine so that our light can shine. So it is that we are called to be the light of the world. We're to let our light so shine that others may see Jesus in us and through us. But today I want us to talk about and to look back to what the Scripture teaches us about that light, about His light. 
you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 in the first 14 verses gives to us wonderful introduction to the light of the world. God wanted John to remind the people of what they had experienced and what they, many, had missed. And if we're not careful even today, we will miss. So if you would stand with me as I read the word of the Lord as we honor Him today. Reading from the Gospel of John in chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness to the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we behold his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we thank you. That, Father, that the light has come. Truth has come. That God was made flesh. That he might dwell among us. So that we might dwell among you. Father, as we come to look today at the fulfillment of Advent... May we be reminded, O Lord, of your coming. Lord, may you be blessed and worshipped as we carry your light into a dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated this morning. Let me remind you that Advent is not waiting for something. Advent is waiting for someone. Now for many of us, we have been waiting all year long for Christmas. We've been waiting for something. Children start waiting uh, for Christmas the day after Christmas. Okay? I, I explained to some of my grandchildren that, you know, Christmas would be back in 364 days. That was the day after Christmas, all right? So they're already looking for the next year. They're waiting for the next thing, the next big event. 
But Advent is not you and I waiting for the next big event, the next big thing. We are waiting for a person. The person of Advent is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of Advent. So if it is true that the light of the world has truly come, then it answers all of the great questions that plague the human race at this very hour. The message of Advent, Emmanuel, God with us, is relevant, revolutionary, and reassuring to those who believe today. I believe it can be summed up in three phrases. Three phrases that I want to talk about today are represented right here in this display. The cradle, the cross, the crown. I wanted to tell you about the fulfillment of the the advent of Jesus Christ by talking to you very briefly today about the cradle, the cross, and the crown. You see, my friends, when we think about what Advent is about, it is more than just about celebrating Christmas Day. It is about celebrating the one who has came to save the world. The one who gave himself for us. The one who promised that though I have gone away, I shall return. So let's look today at those three phrases and see what God has to say about the Advent fulfilled. First of all, the cradle. On that first Christmas night, the Bible tells us that the angels were singing unto the shepherds, and they said, Fear not, I bring you good tidings of good news. But what is the meaning of that good news? What did God mean? And he said, I bring you good tidings. I bring you good news. I think maybe this story that I read might help us begin to get a picture of what God did. During World War II, many mothers would take their children and try to keep the memories of their fathers who were away off at war. So that their memory of their father would be fresh in the mind of their children when he returned. One mother I read about took her son every day into the bedroom and showed him a large portrait of the father who was far away at war. One day, the little boy said to his mom, Mom? Wouldn't it be great if dad could just step out of that frame? Think about it just for a moment. That's exactly what God did that night in Bethlehem. That's what happened at that first advent. For centuries, men had looked into the heavens longing for God to step out of the framework of heaven. And He did that night in Bethlehem exactly that. He came from heaven and He came to earth to take on our form that He might dwell with us. As incredible 
and unbelievable as it appears to modern man. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ was the first visitor from outer space. He was God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. The virgin-born baby was God in human form. He humbled himself and he took on the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of you and of me. He identified himself with the problems of all human race. And thus, it was that the Apostle John wrote, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. What a difference the light of the world made. What a difference the baby that was born in Bethlehem in a cradle, in a stable, so long ago has made in the world today. Have you ever thought about the impact in which Jesus' birth has had upon the world? Let me just give you a few illustrations. Because of the baby that was born in the mangers 2,000 plus years ago, the educational system that we have was inspired by him. The social reforms that his teaching has instituted has changed our world. And the transformation of the families and the lives that have come about as a result of a baby born in Bethlehem have changed the world. The whole world at that time was thinking of none other than Caesar. The whole world was looking to none other than Rome. But the God of heaven had an eternal plan and when he looked upon the earth, he did not look to Caesar or Rome, but he looked to a cradle in a stable where he placed his only begotten son in human form. It was there, my friends, that Advent was fulfilled. The coming of someone. Someone who would light the world. Someone who would be the light in the darkness. Someone who would say to those that are in need, come follow me. Those who who are eternally lost could find their way by watching where he went. By seeing what he did. By believing on whom he is. The light that shines today is a representation of the light that we are to carry to a lost and dying world. Yes, we celebrate Christmas today, but what we really should be celebrating is Christmas. We should be celebrating the fact that Christ was born so that we could live. The cradle is important. But my friends, if we stop at the cradle, we miss the message of Advent altogether. I've strategically placed the cross behind the cradle so that we would look through the cradle to the cross. For in the cradle an innocent baby was born and laid But upon a cross, an innocent man died. 
You see, without looking to the cross, the cradle only gives us a glimmer of hope, but not a salvation of eternal hope. So let's look together at the cross. If Advent is to have its meaning, it cannot be separated from the cross. The angel said at the birth of Jesus, He shall save His people from their sins. In Matthew chapter 1. Jesus Himself speaking just before His death, said, For this cause I was born in John chapter 18. He was the only person in all of history who was born with the only purpose was to die. The Apostle Paul years later said this of Christ, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, which Paul himself said, I am the chief of all sinners. The central message of Advent is that Jesus Christ, by His death and His resurrection, can transform both individuals and our society around us. Almost everyone, at some point in their life, will experience the guilt, will experience the shame, of our own sin. Now the thing is that feeling the guilt and the shame of our sin will not change our eternal destiny. We all can be ashamed of what we've done. We can all feel guilty for what we should have done. But without the cross... Our shame and our guilt will not take us to heaven. We need the cross. We are thankful for the baby that was born on Christmas Day, for He is the one who died on the cross. It's hard for us today in this world in which we're living to pick up a newspaper, a magazine, turn on the news or listen to a report that does not remind us of the depravity of our human race, that does not talk about and show us the pictures of hate and lust and greed and prejudice and corruption, manifested in thousands upon thousands of different ways. The fact is that we have policemen, we have jails, We have military forces that indicate that there is something radically wrong with our society. Our human nature is flawed. The Apostle Paul said it when he said, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches that the human race is morally sick. This disease has afflicted every phase of our life, of our society. The Bible calls the disease an ugly three-letter word, sin. Yes, sin has entered into the world. But more ugly than that, sin has entered into your heart and mine. 
And apart from the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ that died on Calvary's cross as an atonement for our sin, the ugliness of our sin stains our lives and causes our fellowship with God to be eternally broken. But until we go past the cradle, yes, we love the birth of a baby. We celebrate the birth of children even today. But yet I think that the Scripture clearly says we've got it wrong. The Scripture says that we ought to mourn the birth of a child and rejoice at the death of a saint. And somehow in our broken and twisted society, we have turned it around. We rejoice that a child is born into this sinful, crazy, corrupt, broken world. And we think, wow, we've brought this innocent child to now be not so innocent into a sin-sick, corrupt world. But when a saint leaves, we weep and we mourn. And we forget that heaven is our home. The cross has made the way so that a baby that was born could be the man that would die so that you who were dead can now live. The cross. The Bible teaches us that the only cure for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ became the Lamb of God who bled and died on the cross for your sins and for mine. The cross and the resurrection stand today as man's only hope for eternal life. It was on the cross and on Easter that God did for man what man could not do for himself. From these momentous events, God is saying to sinful man, I love you. I love you. How much do I love you? I gave my only begotten Son for you. And that would be enough. But I'm so glad that God has so much more to say that when His Son died on the cross, He didn't just say, I love you. After Jesus shed His blood, He said, I forgive you. You are forgiven. Forgiven for being sinful, forgiven for being rebellious, forgiven for for not loving me, forgiven for, for killing my son, forgiven. Set free, debt paid, blood bought. That's what the cross does for you. So when we think of what the angel said this night in the city of David is a Savior born unto you. I'm bringing you good news. We know now what the good news is that Jesus came so that we could be saved. However, in this world today, like in every generation, some may dismiss it as, a, as idiotical and ridiculous that a man dying 2,000 plus years ago could have any relevance to our lives today. With our technological advances and our abilities to be able to see and to know, we've looked out into the vastness of space and we've not seen no heavenly place. But yet, we are reminded 
that the Apostle Paul so long ago faced the very same thing and gave us these encouraging words in these times when he said, the preaching of the cross is, I know, nonsense to those who are involved in a dying world. But to those of us who have been saved by His grace, His death, it is nothing less than the power of God unto salvation. I don't know about you, but I believe that America is in deep trouble. I believe the world's in deep trouble. But as a nation that has been called by God, I believe, to be the light in the darkness, I believe America's in trouble. I believe that we are perhaps on the threshold of divine judgment, moral judgment, societal judgment, economic judgment, political judgment, but most importantly, spiritual judgment. We, even the church today, need to recognize that we are not doing what we have been called to do. We are not being the light that we need to be. Too many of us have compromised our stands. Too many of us have compromised our lives. We, we are living and saying we're Christians, but we're not following the principles of Christ. It's like what Jesus said, you don't light a candle and put it under a basket. But you put it on a candlestick and you put it high so that it shines and lights up the whole room. Too many Christians have a basket over their light. A basket of sin. A basket of sin that needs to be confessed at the foot of the cross where there the blood of Jesus can cleanse it and remove it. It's there that we need to let our light so shine again that we can make a difference in this world that we can make a difference in our communities, that we can be the light unto our neighbors and our families and our friends. If we do not do something to reverse the tide, to find the forgiveness for our sins, to forestall the, intimate, or the imminent judgment, If we do not alter the course, I do not believe that we will see many more years without the judgment of God upon our lives. Our greatest need, the greatest need of all humanity is to change the heart of people. How do you do that? I can't change your heart. As a matter of fact, the truth is I can't even change my own heart. There's absolutely nothing that I can do that can change my heart of sin except go to the one who can. I cannot change your heart, but I can point you to the one who can. He died on the cross. He was born in a manger. He is the one who has come to be the light in your darkness, 
He's the one who has come to change your heart from stone to flesh again. My friends, apart from conviction and then repentance, there will only be perishing. We need to repent. The scripture says that Paul in his famous sermon on Mars Hill said, God commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world. Who then should repent? According to scripture, all of us, everybody. This is what the cross calls for. This is what the cradle points to. The heart of the meaning of Advent simply is repent or perish. The psalmist David said in his own sin in Psalms 51, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. If we as individuals or we as a nation would humble ourselves and turn from our sins... God has promised forgiveness and healing to the nation, eternal life to all who will believe. That promise is found in that famous verse that we oftentimes quote out of 2 Chronicles 7.14. When God was there with Solomon and they were dedicating the temple, and he said to Solomon, but if your people reject me, if they, if they fall away, if they, if they walk outside of the light, and he told him that if they will repent, if they will call upon God, if they will humble themselves and seek his face, he will restore their light once again. We as a church... As we close out this Christmas season, we need to understand that we can't just look at it as another Christmas come and gone. But as we close out a year that that we see um, there is a great need for repentance, we need to look forward to letting our light so shine in the the year to come. The cross is meant for us to see our need to repent and let the world around us see a life that is changed for Christ. But then the crown. Normally, there's a crown of thorns. But this is a different crown. You see, the crown of thorns represents the sorrow and suffering that he died on the cross, but this cross or crown is beyond the cross. This crown represents the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, the baby that was born in the manger that was put in a, in a stable, in a, in a feeding trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes, was an innocent child, but he wasn't just any innocent child. He was the Son of God. And when he died on Calvary's cross... He died as the Son of God who died for your sins and mine. When He rose to to heaven, He was seated at the right hand of the Father, reinstated to His rightful position as God. 
But the scripture tells us that, that there is a crown for him. A crown that represents who he is and what he's going to do. I don't know if you know this, but chiseled into the cornerstone of the United Nations building is a quotation from the Bible. A quotation that is yet to be fulfilled in life. It reads, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up the sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's taken from the famous words of Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. What a thrilling thought. That war will be no more. Death at the hands of others will be no more. It has been often repeated by those who, who look for peace in this world. But we need to be reminded that we cannot take this verse out of context. That there was something specific that Isaiah was, was telling us about that was going to happen someday in the future. This passage speaks of a time when the Messiah who was born in a manger, died on a cross, who has risen to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, is going to come back and establish Himself and His kingdom here on earth. A time when Jesus is going to come and reign. And when He reigns over this earth, this is an error that Jesus has taught us when He taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. And when He said in that prayer, pray like this, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. This is the time when He who came as a babe in Bethlehem still will come back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Bible teaches that there will be an end to history as we know it. Man will have their last Armageddon, but when it seems as though that men will destroy themselves, God will intervene, Christ will return, and He will take chaos and make it into glory. At the cradle... He was in a stall of an animal. At the cross, he wore a crown of thorns. But when he comes again, he will wear a crown as the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. He will take control of this war-weary world and bring peace that, that we strive for so long. A new world will be formed. A new social order will emerge. Sin will be eliminated. Tears will be wiped away. Disease will be no more. And death will be eliminated from human race. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and war shall be no more. This is the promise of Advent. This is our hope. This is what the Christmas star 
said to the wise men, Come see who is born king of the Jews. It is what the prophets had prophesied. It is what the, the, the disciples saw. It is what you and I behold. When we look to the babe that was born in the manger, we look to the Savior that was crucified on the cross, we look to the God who is interceding on our behalf on the right hand of the Father, we're reminded of the words of Isaiah when he said to us, do you want to know who Jesus will be? Do you want to know who the Savior will be? Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's who He was, that's who He is, and that's who He will forever be. So as we look to the fulfilled Advent. I want to remind you again, Advent is not waiting for something. It's waiting for someone. The one who came as the fulfillment of the first Advent has promised that he will come and fulfill the second. It may take a while. It may seem as though He's not coming. But I promise you, just as God promised the prophets of old, He is coming. He is coming. The light of the world has come. Would you let Him light up your life with the gift of His salvation? You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until Easter or next Christmas. As a matter of fact, you had better not wait. For His coming draweth nigh. And if He comes, it will be too late. with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I ask you, has the light of the world come into your heart? Has He made His way into your life so that the light is shining in the darkness? He was born in Have you come to know Him? Have you found Him as Savior? If not, don't wait. For Jesus comes seeking to save those that are lost. He's looking for you. Will you come to Him? Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts in the presence of the Lord today, we ask that, Father, that we would make that move. 
If we have never received you as Lord and as Savior, if we have never come to know you, and Lord, would you call out your name. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would go to and fro through every seat and every heart. And Lord, if there is not a heart that is saved by grace, would you reach into the depths of their lives and draw them to you? Holy Spirit, we ask that you, as you go through each and every one of our hearts, that Lord, if there is sin that has covered our light, God, would you, by your work of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you have liberty, we surrender liberty to you to convict us of that such sin that we would come to the foot of the cross and we would confess it and we would make whatever changes that we need to make to get that sin far from us. God, help us, O Lord, to not hide the beautiful light of Christ, but let Him shine in us. Would you stand with me as we close our time today? If you're here today and you've never received Christ, if you've never accepted Him, today is a great day of salvation. If there are things in your life that are hindering you, I challenge you, ask God to remove them from your life. Let the end of 2019 be the time in which we settle things with God that will open up an opportunity for us to begin a new year afresh and anew in Christ. If you're here today, I want you to know that God loves you so. But He not only loves